Beloved Church of God, beginning our service before the Lord, let us stand and affirm the promise that is related to the door of our hope. Let the resurrection of Christ reign in our bodies. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to your holy name for this once again privilege to be at this holy place that your hand has outlined for the worship of your holy name. Allow your inheritance in the name of the covenant of blood to be lifted to heights higher than us and to break the chains of all evil and sin that holds us captive. May in this service be cursed all the works of devil, illnesses, poverty, premature death, demonic dependencies, all forms of fears, depression, destruction, ignorance, covetousness. All of this, let it depart from the tents of your holy people and stand, O Lord, on the place of your rest, you and the ark of your greatness. And may your saints be clothed in your redemption and may they rejoice before your countenance. Give us more from your Spirit. Fill us with your Spirit. Allow us to discover your shining countenance. I lay the service in your divine arms. Guide it with your uplifted hand. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. May the Lord bless you. You may be seated.
Земли, где плывет голубое мерцание, я найду тихий дом, где цветы ручьи и любви бесконечное сияние.
And so before we began to study the depths of our inheritance, the unchanging epigraph of our study of these depths is Luke 24:44. Then Jesus said to his disciples, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And for us as partakers of the body of Christ to share with Christ the fulfillment of all that is written about him in Scripture, we shall continue our study of our collaboration with the Holy Spirit and what is necessary to be done from our side so that we can receive the right to the power to put off our former way of life and put on the new form of life. Ephesians 4:22 through 24 <clears throat> that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness <clears throat> and to fulfill this command we need to utilize three charging and fundamental verbs and these are to put off be renewed and put on we've noted that your decision regarding these three destiny affecting actions to put off be renewed and put on will determine whether you transform yourself into a vessel of mercy or a vessel of wrath or more specifically will the accomplishing of our salvation come to pass that is given to us in the format of a guarantee or will we lose it forever and in result then our names be forever blotted out of the book of life although they may have been written there at one time in a specific format we have already looked at the first two questions and have been studying the following question what conditions do we need to fulfill so that by the means of an already renewed mind we begin the process of dressing ourselves into the power of our new person that is created in accordance to God in Christ Jesus in righteousness and holy truth and when we speak of clothing ourselves into the power of our new person that contains the power of the resurrection of Christ in the all armor of light we've concluded that we need God's help in the form of his redeeming mercy the means of receiving any kind of help in the form of the inheritance of the mercies of God is weaponry of prayer or worship in spirit and in truth Today there are not many worshippers that worship in spirit and in truth. That is why the Father continues to seek worshippers that would worship in spirit and in truth. As soon as he finds a sufficient number of these worshippers, he will immediately call them from this earth. Since prayer isn't just a man's means of communicating with God, but also a kind of legal and sacral right that a man gives heaven a tool that activates the given law of God, man gives heaven this right so that heaven may intervene upon the territory of earth, considering that the most powerful form of prayer is continual prayer that does not back away from its goal until what is asked for is received. We together have been studying the format of continual prayer and the breastplate of judgment of the high priest being a continual remembrance or memorial before God. The power of such a prayer is called to demonstrate the unlimited authority of God over our genesis and allotted by him for us time and boundaries 
Due to this, we came to the necessity to study the goal God pursues in His intentions when He urges and calls His children to become warriors in prayer, and also in what way and upon what conditions God is God able and desires to give man the right to become a warrior in prayer, so that man be able to present the interests of God in the implementation of his inheritance in God. This is the goal of God and interests of God that we by the means of the requirements that are given to us, his word, actualize our inheritance in Jesus Christ. According to the revelation of Scripture, our prayer as a warrior in prayer is identified as the virtue of 12 precious stones of the breastplate of judgment. And we, in part, have, are studying the diamond stone. Our prayer needs to be continual, persistent, diligent, with boldness, with reverence, with faith of your heart, with thanksgiving, with joy, in the fear of the Lord, in the Holy Spirit, or praying in tongues. And this, of course, is are two absolutely different things. In the previous services, we in a specific format have already looked at the essence of the first eight components that identify the state of the heart of a warrior in prayer as well as the quality of his prayer. And stop to study the ninth component, quality of continual prayer. This is the presence of the fear of the Lord in your prayer or prayer that is made in the fear of the Lord. But first, I would like to once again present the antonyms or opposite qualities of prayer that have already been a part of our studies because understanding the context or background of each quality, we will better understand the quality and character of true prayer. For example, the antonym of continual is unfaithful or not continuing. The antonym of persistent is resisting. The antonym of diligent is lazy. The antonym of boldness is audacity. The antonym of reverence is forsaking or hatred. The antonym of the faith of God is unbelief or resisting the faith of God. The antonym of thanksgiving is unthankful, hard-heartedness, or stiff-necked. The antonym of joy, sorrow, and brokenness, and the antonym of the fear of the Lord is the fear of man. Prayer that, as in the previous qualities of prayer, it is necessary for us to look at four classical questions. First, from what wellspring does the fear of the Lord flow? And what qualities or criteria does the fear of the Lord have in Scripture? Second, what purpose is the fear of the Lord supposed to fulfill within our relationship with God, with each other, and with all of the world? Third, what price or what conditions do we need to fulfill so we can be filled with the fear of the Lord in prayer? Or how do we keep or increase the fear of the Lord within our heart? Fourth, by what results do we need to examine ourselves on the presence of the fear of the Lord within our heart? In the previous services, we in a particular format together have studied the essence of the first question and stopped to study the second question. We've noted that the fear of the Lord and the fear of man are two absolutely different programs that come from two diametrically opposite wellsprings, identifying the program of eternal life that comes from God, containing the quality of the nature of God, and the program of eternal death coming from the entrails of the fallen cherubim containing his quality and his nature. We know that the first Adam, due to his disobedience to God, was transformed into the programmable system of the fallen angel and inherited from him a program of opposite of God's fear, which was passed down to all mankind and came to be called the fear of man. 
The character included in the fear of the Lord, as with the previous qualities, is prescribed in Scripture for creating prayer as a commandment, as a requirement, as a direct order that can't be ignored in military command. That if is not fulfilled, the verdict is death or final break of our peaceful relationship with God. This is very important. This is not just, these aren't just words. This is a law that God is watching, that he has placed above all of his name and that he has submitted to, he's made himself obedient to, and he fulfills it and is vigilant that it be fulfilled. The fear of the Lord is a program identifying the life of God, is identified as the spring of the wisdom of God and as a carrier and demonstrator of this wisdom. And as a program, it is able to exist and demonstrate itself in nothing else but a programmable system, identifying the wisdom of the heart, which is the heart of a born-from-God man, that becomes a possessor of a faithful mind, abiding in the commandments of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all those who do his commandments. His praise endures forever. Psalm 110.10. We have noted that the reason for many misconceptions and wrongs is what our mind is dependent upon. If we place our mind in dependence of man, we will be pleasing because of our weakness, their ignorance, and their religious ambition. If we place our mind in dependence of the traditions of man, then for the sake of those traditions we will remove or move the commandments of God aside. If we place our mind in dependence of logical thinking or obtained experience, then you also, we also will be far from the fear of the Lord. Since the fear of the Lord as the wisdom of God, although not against logical or rational thinking, because of its eternal being or existence, does not depend on logic and governs over logic. Therefore, upon earth, a person is due to gravity is drawn to the earth, but if you are in space, you're not drawn to the earth. What am I talking about? It's not because God is against logic. The scripture is just not dependent upon logical, a logical form of thinking because 2 plus 2 logically will be 4, but in scripture, four plus, 2 plus 2 can be 0. And to take away two, logically, will be zero, but in scripture, to take away two can be millions. The more you cancel out or you take away, the more you receive. And so the more you draw to yourself, the poorer you are. A completely uh, different set of rules. God is not against arithmetic and uh, arithmetics or algebra or other mathematics that exist on earth. These people don't understand the, the laws of God. They uh, follow the commands that are in place, but God's commands are his word. And when he speaks, everything stops. The sun stops. And space stops, and nothing happens with space or the man on the earth at this time. Although men of study have forgotten these things, although it is existing in history, when Joshua said, uh, stop sun and stop moon, and all, all the day the sun and the moon did not move, the entire system, the planetary system, stopped moving around its orbit, and Nothing happened with the people living on the earth. The day, instead of 12 hours, was 24 hours. 
and somewhere it was night, 24 hours. And of course, the men of, of study at the time became afraid at, the at that time what happened. Where morning needed to happen, morning did not come. If you can imagine what people experienced uh, at the other side of the planet at the time. For them, 24 hours a day, they had night, but these were waiting uh, for the sun to go down, and it wasn't going down, and nothing happened. What is? What are these laws? The scriptures identify the law. Today it speaks, and it will be the law. But when the Lord turned the sun back, he said, it's good if the sun is there. It goes, uh, uh, it goes forward, but let it go back. He said to Ezekiel, and he says, here's your sign that you'll enter the house of God. The sun went back instead of going forward. So the planets, again, were not going in their regular, uh, upon the regular schedule around their orbits, but the but went the other way or turned back time. Any uh, fools who believe otherwise uh, on the earth, the scriptures are God's law and the earth is kept according to God's law and God's word. The earth uh, shakes as if drunk uh, in scripture, it says, because of the lawless works upon the earth. I want us to understand that what the word of God is and how the Lord looks at his word and that man becomes that tool through which God will give this word and this word in the mouth of this person will be the same as God's. Joshua stopped uh, the son. And we can also, but only when the Holy Spirit will command us to do so. And so when we, contrary to many human authorities, place our mind in dependence from the revelations of Scripture, that is when we will be able to be filled with the fear of the Lord demonstrated in His divine and exceeding wisdom. That gives us the ability to know the laws of, of God written in Scripture. We know that the world we live in has many forms of existing fear and even more phobias, and practically the entire world is underpinned by fear and phobias. But all of these forms of fear come from one wellspring, the fallen cherubim. These fears were in, inherited from the first Adam, as we've noted. They were inherited from the first Adam when he sinned and were passed on genetically to all mankind. And further, all of these forms of fear do not parallel or identify with the unique and great nature of fear that comes from God and is passed down by right of birth from God to man. We need to keep in mind that there is a healthy form of fear that exists as well in the format of healthy thinking that does not yield suffering. Any form of fear that does not come from God yields suffering. At the same time, the fear of the Lord prompts a trembling reverence before God and an unexplainable admiration and delight as it places man in the safest place called God. As it is written, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear, we're talking about... Uh, uh, perfect love mean, meaning uh, God's love, agape, 
Because fear involves torment, but he who fears has not been made perfect in love, 1 John 4.18. Therefore, if our worship is done out of the fear of the Lord, contained within the twelve precious stones of the breastplate of judgment, then it cannot be accepted by God. And that is specifically why any attempt to enter the presence of God, to call upon God, or to God, without the presence of the fear of the Lord, deeply offends God, does not consider God, and actually resists God. The absence of the fear of the Lord within the heart of a man testifies about the fact that this person is bound by the fear of man or human fear. Revelation 21.8, but the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually moral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake of which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. The, and so millions go uh, and march to hell, and those who go first are those that are cowards. Not people of the world, but people that came to God, but due to the fear of man, did not serve him. It is written because they were afraid of the Jews. Why they were not able to confess because they knew that Christ was right, but they were afraid of the Jews. If you remember when the blind was healed, blind man was healed, they came to the parents and, and asked, did he truly heal him? And the parents said, I don't know. Why did they say this? Because it's written because they were afraid of the Jews, because those decided that any person that follows after Christ shall be disqualified from the church. Finally, they found this blind man who now can see and asked him, who healed you? And he said, Christ. And they said, this person is not good. And he said, how can he not be, how can he be not good? If he healed me, I was blind and now I can see. You yourself say that such a person cannot be not of God. And he said, uh, and they and they excluded him from the church and because he they were offended at the fact that he was trying to teach them something. And so the absence of the fear of the Lord within the heart of a man testifies about the fact that this person is bound by the fear of man or human fear. The words fear, wisdom, and commandment when it comes to the nature of God are identical as they identify the moral virtues of God. And because they are identical, the one word describes the other word as they come one from the other and authenticate one the other. This is specifically why the fear of the Lord is the true wisdom of God presented in the commandments of the Lord. At the same time, true wisdom in the commandments of the Lord is identified as the fear of the Lord identifying the given law of God. Question 2. What purpose does the fear of the Lord have in our relationship with God, with each other, and with all of the world? Studying the purpose of the fear of the Lord, we need to keep in mind that the boundaries of the fear of the Lord as the program of God are restricted to the boundaries of the heart of one that fears God and the boundaries of their knowledge of the fear of the Lord. In a specific format, we need to understand that the fear of the Lord functions within a programmable system and the greater knowledge you will have about the fear of the Lord because it's the wisdom of God, God's given law, the greater will your fear be, the level of your fear of the Lord be. In a specific format, we have already studied uh, five purposes of the fear of the Lord contained in the heart of a person fearing God. I will remind us of them. 
the first purpose of the fear of the Lord being the equivalent of love for God is called to cast out the fear of man which produces suffering. Second, the purpose of the fear of the Lord is called to give those who fear God a banner so that they display it on behalf of the truth to be delivered from the enemy. Third, the purpose of the fear of the Lord is called to bring forth the mercy of the Lord upon those who fear God, with the purpose of removing their transgressions so far as far as east is from the west. Fourth, the purpose of the fear of the Lord is called by the means of the mercy of the Lord to separate men who fear God from men that do not have the fear of the Lord by rewarding one or pouring out his vengeance on the other. Fifth, the, peer, the purpose of the fear of the Lord in the heart of those who fear God is called to turn God's favor upon them. And the sixth today, the purpose of the fear of the Lord is called to lead those who fear God into the, into the inheritance of the covenant of the Lord, to give them food so God could give them the lands of other nations. Psalm 111.5.6, He provides food for those who fear Him. He remembers His covenant forever. He has shown His people the power of His works, giving them the lands of other nations. According to the above-mentioned place of Scripture to give those who fear God the lands of other nations, which is the oath promise of God contained within His covenant, which He made with His nation, God needed to show His people the power of His works. Gentiles lived in the land of Canaan. It was called by their name. These were the ten Canaanite tribes. We will we will see the, uh, talk about them more later. First, we we know well that the realization or fulfillment of any promise of God requires collaborative work between God and man, where each participant has his role and it is distinguished and clear. Second, every promise is given by God in the form of a seed and is able to grow into fruit exclusively within the good soil of our heart. Third, for the promise of God to be fulfilled, it is necessary to know time and season as it is written. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot. Ecclesiastes 3, 1 through 2. Fourth, the realization of any promise of God requires one not to leave his church. This means that the realization of any promise can happen exclusively in the body of Christ, which for each one of us is our church. And if we will not be able to identify the lands of the other nations called to become our food and identify the role of God and our role in the realization of the given promise, then not looking at the fact that God will satisfy His end of the covenant and will place this promise upon our account, this promise will remain unclaimed by us. And it relates to these requirements. It is necessary for us to answer these important questions. First, how do we identify the land of other nations that are called to become ours for those who fear God, something included in the promise of the covenant for those who fear God? Second, the power of what works did God show accomplishing his role to give those who fear God the land of the foreign nations? Third, what is consistent in our role that we fulfill and are able to inherit the land of foreign nations? The land of foreign nations called to become our food and our inheritance and our peace is a symbol of the promised land belonging to ten Canaanite tribes who claimed this land for themselves before Abraham got there. Genesis 15, 18 through 21. On that day the Lord made a covenant with Abraham and said, To your descendants I give this land. 
from the Wadi of Egypt to the great river, the Euphrates, the land of the Kenites, Kenizzites, Kedmonites, Hittites, Perizzites, Rephites, Amorites, Canaanites, Girgashites, and Jebusites. Genesis 15, 18 through 21. This was, uh, God said, I give you what belongs to them right now. Often preachers state that the symbolic Canaanite land flowing with milk and honey is actually heaven or the bosom of Abraham. They see it again, heaven or bosom of Abraham, where the righteous end up after their death. But this symbol does not, does not capture one very re- relevant thing. The Canaanite land flowing with milk and honey was conquered and captured within the span of hundreds of years, and for the sake of conquering it, many were killed on both sides. However, it never was completely freed from other nations or the Gentiles. Gentiles are the uncircumcised people that live upon the territory of the Canaanite land. All the surrounding nations were circumcised. Interesting as it is, all the surrounding nations circumcised, they weren't called Gentiles. The Gentiles only are those people that are uncircumcised. They especially... uh, did dislike these people. They never said this uncircumcised Egyptian because Egyptians circumcised themselves, but they did not circumcise themselves. At that time, the Egyptians did not live upon the territory of the Canaanite land, and they circumcised themselves, but these live upon the Canaanite land, know the law of God, but do not circumcise themselves. And so we know, at the same time, the heaven or the bosom of Abraham is the place of the unapproachable light where God abides with the redeemed by him nation, and understandably, the Gentiles, making up the ten Canaanite tribes, are not able to enter. Therefore, there is not one to battle with or conquer with there. First, the ten Gentile tribes is a symbol of our sinful or old man. He is the enemy of our new person. Therefore, the one as well as the other are leading a fierce battle against each other to possess the promised land, symbolizing our mortal body. The promised land, the symbol of our body, the promised land is a symbol of our body, and to possess this land, uh, there's a fierce battle that happens by the one and the other to take control. Second, the ten Gentile tribes is a symbol of men unclean and lawless wanting the inheritance of the promised land and confronting with their false righteousness those who fear God. According to these facts, the land of the four nations in the ten Canaanite tribes is a symbol of our mortal body upon which lies the curse of the law of Moses, giving power to sin. If you can remember, I told you of the dream where I saw the law of sin and death. I experienced an unusual power that came from this law. It was so powerful that it physically threw me back up to the first floors. Thinking about this continuously, I understood the consistency of the power of this law of sin and death. Why is he so powerful? Because 
This was a symbol of the holiness of God. You know that the power of sin is the law. And so the, the, it, it is received, this power from the law of Moses, and so this law of sin and death uh, relates to places that, are, that have sin. However, due to God's redemption of the entire man as a whole, our mortal body is called to become the inheritance of those who fear God, that we are called collaborating with the truth of the teaching of Christ and power of the Holy Spirit to dress into our new person created in accordance to God in Christ Jesus in righteousness and holy truth and for this unique and destiny-affecting collaboration with those two holy and powerful authorities that are present before the God of all the earth, it is necessary to learn to be led by the Holy Spirit strictly within the parameters of the elementary teaching of Christ and for this purpose it is necessary to bind ourselves to the Holy Spirit. And so some people say, well the Holy Spirit revealed this to me and I told them, I tell them search the scriptures if it is not present there God the Holy Spirit will not inspire you to do this the Holy Spirit cannot inspire you uh, to not communicate with each other some people say the Holy Spirit is withholding me from communicating with this person he can't withhold you this is the unclean spirit that will do this we know that the, we need to know that the Holy Spirit uh, functions within the parameters of Scripture. To bind ourselves to the Holy Spirit means to dedicate yourself to God by presenting your body a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God for your good service before God. And this means agree to abide with Christ in His trials as well as His resurrection. And as much as we know to present the interests of the Lord Jesus Christ in his death as well as his resurrection is possible when we receive the wholesomeness of the teaching of Christ into our heart. Therefore, evil spoken against him falls on us. Here's how this concept is presented by the Holy Spirit by the mouth of Apostle Paul. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage, again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption, by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Abba is uh, also Father. Abba, Father is the same the Spirit Himself bears witness with <clears throat> witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with Him, that we may also be glorified together. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed to in us. For the earnestly ex- for the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revel- revealing of the Son of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pains together until now. Not only that, but we also have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we also ourselves also groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body, for we were saved in this hope but hope that is seen is not hope but why does one still hope for what he sees but if we hope for what we do not see we eagerly wait for it with perseverance Romans 8 14 through 25 summing up the answer to the given question we conclude that the land belonging to the ten Canaanite tribes God with an oath promised to give Abraham Isaac and Jacob is a symbol of our mortal body for which a price
Christ was paid the same great price of the redeemed blood of the Lord Jesus that was paid for our spirit and for our soul. Second question, the, the power of what works did God show accomplishing his role to give those who fear God the lands of the foreign nations, this being the equivalent of our mortal body? It becomes evident that the power of the works that God did for those who fear God is the powerful and glorious power of God's redemption not just of their spirit and soul, but also their body. This is especially clear in the above-mentioned words of Scripture, revealed by the Holy Spirit to Apostle Paul in the book of Romans. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pains together until now. Not only that, but we also, who have the first fruits of the Spirit even, we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption of the redemption of our body. And to show the power of His works in redeeming our spirit, soul, and body, we need to work with the two powerful witnesses of God to cleanse and wash the three aspects of our human essence by the path of sanctification in all fullness upon the grounds and conditions of the covenant of peace that God made with us. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful who also will do it. 1 Thessalonians 5.23-24 When it's talking about without blemish, blameless, it's preserved blameless as it says here, then there needs to be no blemish of any kind. It needs to be absolutely not accessible to sin or destruction or death. Until the power of the law of sin and death contained within our mortal body is eliminated by the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, there can't be any talk of whole and complete redemption promoted by the power of sanctification. For if, as it is written, Romans 6, 5 through 13, if, for if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, died no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. If you feel this, if we're dressed into his resurrection, then death no longer has dominion over us. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So if this hasn't yet happened, reckon yourself to be dead indeed to sin. As he said to Sarah, uh, consider yourself as born the many, uh, or, or being the mother of many, mother of many nations, and being. And so they're getting old; uh, they're coming of age, and they keep. Uh, uh, she is the one who bore many kings, and he the father of many nations. And so they, it says here then, that reckon yourself be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God. Therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lusts, and do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourself to God as being alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. 
foretelling the final goal of redemption where the law of sin and death contained within our body will be eliminated by the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, David prayed, but by this I know that you are well pleased with me because my enemy does not triumph over me. As for me, you uphold me in my integrity and set me before your face forever. Psalm 41, 11 through 12. How can he pray such a prayer? He believed that he'll be dressed into his new person and not die. He says, you uphold me in my integrity and set me before your face forever. So he began to consider himself dead to sin. He began to call the non-existent as existent and confess this. For David, it was revealed, this truth, that the body needs to be delivered from the law of sin and death and, and it is redeemed as your spirit and soul is. Summing up the answer to the given question, we conclude that the power of the work shown by God to his nation, to those who fear God, to give them the land of the foreign nations, the power was the great power of the accomplished by God redemption, demonstrated in the blood of his son Jesus Christ, shed upon the Golgotha cross in order to obtain for himself not just our spirit and our soul, but also our body. Third question, what is consisted in our role that we fulfill and are able to inherit the lands of foreign nations in the symbol of adopting our mortal body by the means of his redemption? According to many prophecies and proverbs in scripture, fulfilling our role to receive the inheritance of the foreign nations consists in us by faith receiving the promise of redemption of our mortal body. And Abraham believed in God, not having any land, he believed that the land was already his and walked upon it, not even having an inch of that land just yet, but he considered it his own and walked upon it. And so in the beginning, we need to receive it by faith, and this faith needs to be brought into the soil of our heart in the form of the seed of the word provided in specific goals and promises of God in scripture. We need to confess it and upon and and. Uh, find those places of scripture based upon which we confess. The essence of the specific goals and promises of God contained in the works of his glorious redemption consists in dressing our mortal body into the new person created in accordance to God in Christ Jesus. And afterwards not uh, looking, afterwards looking at this glorious promise of God's redemption as something eternal and unseen, we would be able to confess the faith of our heart proclaiming the not existent as existent. This will provide God a foundation or ground in the appointed by him time to dress our mortal body identified as the inheritance of the four nations into its new person created in accordance to God in Christ Jesus upon practice this means that the goal of the fear of the Lord abiding within us identifying the status of our continual prayer is focused upon dressing our mortal body into its new person created in accordance to God in Christ Jesus seventh purpose of the fear of the Lord is called to make those who fear God a tool of vengeance upon the angry Gentiles, to destroy them for destroying the earth. Revelation 11:15 through 19 
To read this place and try to understand it just with our intellect will, is impossible. Then the seventh angel sounded, and there were loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. And the twenty-four elders who sat before God on their thrones fell on their faces and worshipped God, saying, We give you thanks, O Lord God Almighty, the one who is and who was and is to come, because you have taken your great power and reigned. The nations were angry, and your wrath has come, and the time of the dead that they should be judged, and that you should reward your servants, the prophets and the saints, and those who fear your name, small and great, and to destroy those who destroy the earth. Then the temple of God was opened in heaven, and the ark of his covenant was seen in his temple, and there were lightnings, noises, thunderings, and earthquake and great hail. Revelation 11, 15 through 19. First, what world is called to become the kingdom of the Lord and his Christ, where he will reign forever and ever? Second, who in essence are these angry Gentiles that destroy the earth? Why, third, why did the sound of the trumpet of the seventh angel bring about such anger in the Gentile nations? Fourth, who is the seventh angel that has a trumpet, the sound of which the kingdom of the world became the kingdom of the Lord and his Christ? And what is the essence of the sound of this unique godly trumpet? Fifth, what does God's great power consist of that he takes at the sound of the trumpet of the seventh angel in order to become ruler over the earth and reign over it forever and ever? And sixth, what will produce the li- what will produce these lightnings and noises, earthquakes, thunder, and great hail to judge the dead and to reward his servants, the prophets and the saints who fear his name, small and great, and destroy those who destroy the earth? Answering these questions, we will understand the final goal of our purpose in God that we are called to fulfill dressing our mortal body into the new person, who is given great power of God to initiate lightning and noises, earthquake, thunder, and great hail to destroy those who destroy the earth. And so first, what world is called to become the kingdom of the Lord and of his Christ, where he will reign forever and ever? In the given allegory, the scripture is talking about a unique kingdom of the world that will become the kingdom of the Lord and his Christ, in which he will reign forever and ever, and to, and to his reign there shall be no end. This kingdom of Christ over the world in root will differ from the other kingdom of Christ over a completely different world that will will be in the number on earth of a thousand years. This is not talking about the reign of Christ on earth for a thousand years. This is not forever and ever. This is a thousand years. But here it's talking about when he will reign over this world, then he forever and ever will rule there. I will say that this kingdom this world where Christ will rule and reign forever and ever is our mortal body. The body of those who fear God. This is the world of those who fear God. uh, Becoming ruler there, he will reign there forever and ever. So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord, Romans 5.21. In the given place of Scripture, the kingdom of the world over which Christ is called to become ruler are the mortal bodies of those who fear God, in whom, by the means of ruling Christ, the eternal life of Jesus will be revealed in the form of his eternal kingdom that will have no end.
For we who live, 2 Corinthians 4.11, For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. Not our spirit, not our soul, but our mortal flesh. We are delivered to, de- uh, to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may, may be manifested in our mortal flesh. Second Corinthians 4.11 Our mortal bodies contain the great mystery of lawlessness in the format of the law of sin and death by the means of which the old person or old man reigns within our body. Therefore the purpose of the fear of the Lord abiding within our new person that contains the law of the spirit of life reigns by the means of the law of the grace of God. Its focus is by, it's focused on this. By dressing our body into the new person eliminate within our body the power of the old man as well as the power of the law of sin and death, which the old man uses to rule within our body. And as much then as the children have partaken of the flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Hebrews 2.14.15 A person sins in the body, and so death is in the body. The spirit of a person has always been immortal. God created from the earth man and breathed breathed life into him, and God wants to make this person created from death eternal, so that it would be eternal, this body. Therefore, eliminating or abolishing the old man as well as the rule of Christ within our body is called to be accomplished by the means of the collaboration of man with the law of the grace of God by the works of righteousness. The role of the law of the grace of God is called to place Christ as ruler within our body by the means of the revelation of the Holy Spirit to reveal to us the great mystery of godliness containing, contained in the rule and fundamentality of the teaching of Christ, identifying the law of the spirit of life in Jesus Christ. This is the role of God to reveal it to us. At the same time, our role to make Christ ruler within our body consists of accepting the authority and power of the teaching of Christ and utilizing all of the existing means and ability to be obedient to the law of the grace of God and eliminating the law of sin and death within our body. Summing up the answer to the given question, we conclude that the world that is called to become the kingdom of the Lord and his Christ in which he will reign forever and ever is the body of those who fear God. Second question, who in essence are these angry Gentiles that destroyed the earth, representing the body of those who fear God? They destroyed the earth, these Gentiles, and these are the body of those who fear God, this earth. We need to keep in mind that we are talking about such a form of anger that is demonstrated in words, which is unable to bring harm to the bodies of those who fear God. Because within the bodies of those who fear God, in whom they they reigned by the means of the law of sin and death, by the sound of the trumpet of the seventh angel, Christ became ruler, eliminating therefore the law of sin and death by the law of the spirit of life, containing the power of the resurrection. This state is very well elaborated in one of the prayers of of the Psalms of David. The wicked will see it and be grieved. He will gnash his teeth and melt away. The desire of the wicked shall perish. Psalm 112.10 And so this anger will absolutely have uh, not affect us. You know, when someone is angry and he is gnashing his teeth but can't do anything. The angry Gentile nations being These ten Canaanite tribes living upon the territory of the Promised Land are split into two categories. First, angry Gentiles are armies whose ruler in the old man 
Angry Gentiles are armies whose ruler is the old man living within our body, who is dead to God and living for sin, and such armies with the old man as their leader in the form of angry Gentiles are anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language, out of our mouth, deceit, accusation, jealousy, hatred, adultery, and the accompanying them terrible illnesses. Colossians 3.8-11 But now you yourselves are to put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Colossians 3.8-11 I want to us to clearly understand how this will happen. It will happen in your body. And when you will have this, what you will have, God will produce or, or make happen. To write upon the tablets of your heart, clearly the revelations, God will do this. As The clearer it will be upon the tablets of your heart, the better it will be accomplished for you. Second, angry Gentiles is a category of men that live amongst the chosen by God remnant with an uncircumcised heart who received salvation in the format of a guarantee but did not turn it to profit because of which they died for God and upon legal grounds became carriers of a program of the law of sin and death that demonstrates itself in the pleasures of the flesh, pleasures of the eyes and pride of life. Therefore their body, called to become the temple for the Holy Spirit, actually became the idol house of Satan. And the reason for why most people who receive salvation will end up being carriers of the law of sin and death will consist in the choice of their hope and help, not in righteousness obtained by faith in Christ Jesus, but the righteousness of the law of deeds, that they will make their hope and their source of trust. Hosea 13, 9-11, O Israel, you are destroyed, but you, your help is from me. I will be your king. Where is any other that he may save you all in your cities and your judges to whom you said, Give me a king and a prince. I gave you a king in my anger and took him away in my wrath. The first king, Saul, that they demanded, God gave, them, gave him to them in anger because they demanded a king. They wanted, they themselves, if you remember how this king said, I thought what would be better. He absolutely was not looking at what the Lord said. The Lord said through Samuel, tells him one thing, and Saul says, well, I thought it will be better. You're not supposed to be thinking what's better. You just need to fulfill what God told you. When God says something and to do it, you do it. In any army, they tell a soldier, you don't have the right to think here. You just fulfill the requirement. You don't need to imagine a soldier will say, well, I thought and decided not to go uh, where you send me. I decided, uh, and so I tell you, go to the right, and, I, and the soldier says, well, I thought the left would be better, so I turn to the left. It's the same way with God. If you come to him, he says, when he speaks, you just need to obey what he says. But we begin to think, is it worth obeying? And if we obey, then we obey only upon our own conditions. That's why God says, I gave, gave the king to you in my anger. Therefore, angry Gentiles 
By the means of his rule, within the redeemed body, the old man with his army destroyed the body of the man that fears God, which is called to be the temple of the Holy Spirit. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own, for you were bought at a price? Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which is God's. 1 Corinthians 6, 19-20. Third question, why did the sound of the trumpet of the seventh angel bring about such anger in the Gentile nations? The reason for why the army of the Gentiles, with their leader, the old man, ruling within the body of those who fear God, became angry is because the sound of the trumpet of the seventh angel proclaimed the body of the one that fears God, the kingdom of God, and his Christ forever. We need to note that the one standing behind the angry Gentiles is the angry dragon called the devil and Satan that is within the bodies of those who fear God and out of them as well. So the serpent spewed water out of the mouth like a flood over the woman, or after the woman, that he might cause her to be carried away by the flood. But the earth helped the woman, and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed up the flood, which the dragon had spewed out of his mouth. Victory will happen in the body of those who fear God. The final victory will happen over the, over the uh, dragon. And the dragon was en enraged with the woman. And he went to make war with the rest of her offspring who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Revelation 12, 15 through 17. And to swallow up the river, this is false teaching, this is having victory over false teachings, demonic teachings upon the earth, and do this by the elementary teaching of Christ, presenting our body as a tool of righteousness. Fourth question, who is the seventh angel that has a trumpet, the sound of which the kingdom of the world became the kingdom of the Lord and his Christ? And what is the essence of the sound of his unique godly trumpet? We know that the seventh angels that were given the seven trumpets and plagues are the collectively are the bride of the lamb that is sent by God to promote his work and and his judgment at the same time the seventh angel is a is a combined symbol say of the ones that are sent by God after these things I looked and behold the temple of the tabernacle of the testimony in heaven was opened and out of the temple came the seventh angel having the seven plagues clothed in pure bright linen linen is something that is a seed dies and grown and then once it's grown it's uh, gathered and then prepared as garments for the priest. This is the redemption of God. The angels of God cannot have uh, linen garments because they had never sinned so that the blood of Christ sh be shed for them. And if they sinned, it won't be in the body, it's in the spirit, and they will not be redeemed. And so I want us to immediately see who these seven angels are. They were clothed in pure bright linen and having their chests girded with golden bands. This is the righteousness of the saints and having their chests girded with golden bands. Then one of the four living creatures gave to the seven angels seven golden bowls full of the wrath of God who, live forever, who lives forever and ever. The temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power and no one was able to enter the temple till the seven plagues of the seven angels were completed. Revelation 15 through 5 through 8. And so linen garments is a symbol of righteousness obtained through redemption by the shed blood of Jesus Christ. The golden 
bands is a symbol of the renewed mind. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is in, that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ, 1 Peter 1.13. As much as we know, angel is a servant of the Spirit not having a body. At the same time, the redeeming blood was shed for people that have bodies. Therefore, the seven angels in this place of scripture cannot be spiritual or the, the angels of spirit the essence of the sound in the is the unique godly trumpet from the unique godly trumpet is the revelation of god that he sends to his people set the tr- set the trumpet to your mouth he shall come like an eagle against the house of the lord because they have transgressed my command and rebelled against my law. Israel will cry to me, My God, we know you. Israel has rejected the good. The enemy will pursue him. They set up kings, but not by me. They made princes, but I did not acknowledge them. From their silver and gold, they made idols for themselves, that they might be cut off. Hosea 8, 1-4. And so, to sound the trumpet is to preach or to confess the faith of the heart. Each one of us, when you confess the faith of our heart, you enter into the category <clears throat> of the seventh angel. I mean, as we as Christians are Christians of the last days. Apostle Paul was the first trumpet, the first angel. We uh, have already come to the seventh angel because it's talking about the bodies. The sixth angel will not rule in the bodies and proclaim the bodies as uh, liberated and the kingdom of God. Fifth question, what does God's great power consist of that he takes at the sound of the trumpet of the seventh angel, giving him the ability to rule in the body of those who fear God, to reign in their bodies, over their bodies, and through their bodies forever and ever? And so the great power consists, the great power, because God dresses into this power, by the sound of the trumpet of the seventh angel, this is the power and greatness of his word in the mouth of his delegated ones that serves for God as a grounds to fulfill this word upon planet earth within the body of those who fear God. The sound of this trumpet gives God grounds to fulfill upon planet earth the kingdom of Christ in the body of those who fear him. Genesis 1, 26-27, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Genesis 1, 26-27. And so, with these popular words, God uh, implements his sovereign uh, order between himself and the earth, the man and the woman that he created in his image and likeness. Implementing the order of sovereignty, God in this way placed his uh, fulfillment of his will in dependence of man, that he had provided with the same abilities upon the earth that he possesses in heaven. The heaven, even the heavens are the Lord's, but the earth he has given to the children of men, Psalm 115, 16. When it says that God has given the earth to the children of men, these children of men are the chosen by God remnant by whom God fulfills his will upon planet earth. Passing on power to the chosen by God remnant by whom he will fulfill his will upon planet earth, God in this way remains to be ruler 
or all the earth, that is confirmed by many places of scripture. Eat whatever is sold in the meat market, asking no question for conscious sake, for the earth is the Lord's and all its fullness, 1 Corinthians 10.25-26. And so not looking at the fact that God had given power to man, he did according to his word, and so a person may have power over the earth in his word. And so in this way, the earth still remains under the rule of God, the ruler of it is God. The judgments that are done by God through Moses and Aaron, first of all, had the purpose of proving to Pharaoh that the earth that all men live upon, including the Pharaoh, is God's. And secondly, to judge also the the idols of Egypt to lead his nation out of Egypt. So Moses said to, to the Pharaoh, As soon as I have gone out of the city, I will spread out my hands to the Lord, that thunder will cease and there will be no more hail, that you may know that the Lord, the earth is the Lord's. Exodus 9.29 Sixth question. What will produce the lightnings and noises, earthquake, thunder, and great hail to judge the dead and to reward his servants, the prophets and the saints who fear his name, small and great, and to destroy those who destroy the earth? We, to be able to remember, I will. Re, we will remember some of the, what was written there. If you remember, the earth, the skies were opened, the heavens were opened, and all these things happened: the thunder and lightning. The ark that appeared there as well happens in three places: in heaven, in God's temple, and in the heart. All of these things, including the ark, uh, are existent in all three places. We know well that in order for God to do something that He wants to do on the, on the earth. Man, he uses man that is in his likeness by the means of the Urim and Thummim will receive the revelation of this will so he can establish it upon the earth. Matthew 16, 18 through 19. And I also say to you that you are Peter or Petra and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. I will remind us that in the beginning of the uh, Gospel, the uh, book of Matthew was written in Hebrew, and after 60 years, it was written in Greek again. And uh, according to the original of the two languages, the beginning phrase sounds this way, and I shall give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven so you can bind on earth what is bound in heaven and would be able to loose on earth what is already at, uh, loosed in heaven. And so the keys of the kingdom of heaven is power for the right to know the will of God and to fulfill this will upon on planet earth or the power for the right to be seated in heaven at the right side of God in Christ Jesus not every heart is an ark so that you can open it and because in order to place God's law first you need to make the heart of a person the ark of the covenant and if you remember we talked about this before 
Uh, after after the ark is built, the law of God is placed into it, and this ark is opened up. God will open the heart or open our mouth, and we will confess the faith of our heart. This is the temple. We will confess what we will hear. Uh, already was, was established in heaven. Another place of scripture that confirms this thought that we are here, but at the same time in heaven. Ephesians 2, 4 through 7, But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the age to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. When the apostles wrote this, this wasn't for them. It was for them, but it was about the future that they needed to proclaim as an existent thing, although it didn't exist at the time, but we are coming close to that time. And so, opening of the temple in heaven and the ark is the power of those who fear God to bind on earth what is already bound in heaven and the power to lose on earth what is already loose in heaven. And in this situation, we're looking at the power of those who fear God to bind in, the, in their bodies that which is already bound in heaven and the power to loose in their bodies what is already loosed in heaven. <clears throat> the tool that the ones who fear God will use to bind in their bodies what is already bound in heaven and loose on, in their bodies what is already bound in heaven will be <clears throat> the confession with their mouth the words of the faith of God that abides within their hearts that are, that is the built Ark of the Covenant. According to uh, the scriptures, the thunders and lightning and the, and the hail is a symbolic definition of the words from the mouth, mouth of God's delegated people, giving God the foundation or basis to accomplish uh, his vengeance or pour out his vengeance in the body of those who fear him. In other words, for Christ to be able to rule within the body of those who fear him, it is necessary to uh, pour out upon the angry Gentiles, which is the army, and the ruler, which is the old man, his pour out his lightning and and, and the sounds and the and thunder upon them. The thoughts that reign in the thought of, of Christ ruling within our body is shown very well in this place of scripture also, Luke eleven twenty one through 23. When a strong man fully armed guards his own palace, his goods are in peace. But when, the strong, when a stronger than he comes upon him and overcomes him, he takes from him all his armor in which he trusted and divides his spoils. <clears throat> he who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters. Luke 11, 21 through 23. <clears throat> and so the strong man that with his, uh, with his, that guards his house is our old man. Uh, these are these angry Gentiles until, but when the nation of Israel came, they destroyed these cities and took these lands. The, uh, armor that he relies upon is the power of sin that comes from the law of Moses. 
<clears throat> For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption, and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? The sting of... Death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. 1 Corinthians 15, 53-56. So we see that the law of Moses gives power to the law of sin and death. Because the body is mortal. But when immortality, that is our new person, will dress us. It's talking about this, not about rapture where our body will be changed. When our body will be changed, you will not, uh, will be fully transformed, it will not need to be changed, say. But in this mortal body, we need to remove morta- uh, mortality. Uh, God will take this mortality ability to die from their bodies. And this will happen. To, uh, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? This will happen before rapture. It's been preached that it needs to happen at the moment of rapture, but that's not the case. We need to understand for whom the law was placed that gives power to sin. 1 Timothy 1, 9-10, Knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous person, but for the lawless and insubordinate, for the ungodly and for sinners, for the unholy and profane, for murderers of fathers and murderers of mothers, for manslayers, for fornicators, for sodomites, for kidnappers, for liars, for perjurers, and for if there is any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine. 1 Timothy 1, 9-10. And so if you receive justification, then the law of sin and death loses its power because you receive justification. Why does it not work? Because you receive uh, God's justification, not upon God's conditions. If you receive justification, why do you continue to live as if you didn't receive it? Why do you continue to speak bad things out of your mouth? Why do you continue to uh, lie? Why do you continue to be jealous? Because you receive justification, you, you should be different and live differently. While our body is still mortal, it is not able to be adopted. And the mortal mortality of our body is that way because of the law of sin and death. And the power of it is based upon the law of Moses placed by God to the, for the category of people in whose bodies reigns sin. The stronger one that uh, attacks the old man is Christ. Conquering the old man and the body of those who fear God, the stronger one takes the tool of the armor of the law of God. And so what he then does is he divides the spoils with those who fear God. This is very clearly illustrated in the sword of, uh, <coughs> of Goliath, the Philistine. And the sword of Goliath, the Philistine, is the given law of God or the word of God in the law of Moses. 1 Samuel 21, 9. So the priest said, and so they asked him, do you have a sword? So the priest said, the sword of Goliath, the Philistine, whom you killed in the valley of Elah, there it is wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. He killed the Goliath that was in him. 
For the law I died, with the law I died for the law. And so here is again the sword of Goliath, the Philistine, whom you killed in the valley of Elah, where it is wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. It is the most sacred holy place, wrapped in a cloth. If you will take that, take it, for there is no other except that one here. Only one sword is here. And David said, There is none like it. Give it to me. 1 Samuel 21, 9. The sword of the word of God that is wrapped in a cloth and upon which lied this breastplate of judgment to the servant is a symbol of the service of justification. For I through the law died for the law that I might live to God. We studied this before in the broken tablets and the new. Here we're looking at this at the Philistines that lo- are living in us, the old man, oftentimes says, will I be, oftentimes people say, will I be able to overcome this? People continue to come to me saying, I've sinned again, I've sinned again. This giant continuously tempts and threats, threatens me and for I through the law died to the law that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. Galatians 2:19 through 21. And so the exodus of the nation of Israel from the slavery of Egypt is the symbol of deliverance of the old man with his deeds in your body here's what one here's what one of the psalms says psalm 77 15 through 21 you have with your arm redeemed your people the son sons of jacob and joseph the water saw you O god the water saw you they were afraid the depths also trembled the clouds poured out waters the sky sent out a sound you know the scriptures call those who fear God clouds that are filled with moisture that by the command of God go and pour out for one as a mercy and for the others it pours out for uh, to uh, and there are also those clouds that have no moisture and so the clouds poured out water the sky sent out sound that means that the holy people who fear God at the in the, those of the last times will pour out water and skies sent out a sound. Your arrows also flashed about. The voice of your thunder was in the whirlwind. The lightnings lift up the world. The earth trembles and shook. And so the bodies of those who fear God, when Christ will begin to reign, when we'll understand this and begin to confess this, receive this by faith, then at this time our body will be shaking trembling because the old man will be eliminated with his army and the law of sin and death will be replaced with the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Your way was in the sea, your path in the great waters, and your footsteps were not known. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. And so the symbol of Moses and Aaron, by the means of which Christ needs to rule within our body, is a symbol in our good heart of the two form of the wisdom of God, the Thummim and Urim. The confession with our mouth the, of the collaboration of the Urim and the Thummim within our heart will produce in our body uh, these lightnings and these voices and thunders and great hail. 
Another place of scripture, and there are a lot of them, Ezekiel 1, 13 through 28, where we will see what we will do, what we need to do. This will happen before we will be raptured into heaven. As for the likeness of the living creatures, their appearance was like burning coals of fire, like the appearance of torches going back and forth among the living creatures. You know, the four living creatures and the 24 elders, and they are the ones that bowed down, took off their crowns, and said, Lord, you delivered us from all tribes, uh, languages, people, and so forth. And we will rule upon the earth, they say. These are who they are. If you split 28 into 7, you'll get four, four rivers, four elementary teachings. And the appearance of them was as torches going back and forth among the living creatures. The fire was bright, and out of the fire went lightning, and the living creatures ran back and forth in appearance like a flash of lightning. The living creatures were telling them, come and look, John. They were calling him. This is the spirit, spirit of prophecy in those who fear God. And in them, it mean, here it means that their obedience to the word of God is uh, compared to the lightning that goes back and forth quickly. They don't just move. They don't walk just back and forth. They fulfill the command of God. God when he when something needs to happen it's coming closer and closer he is already waiting so long and he wants it fulfilled we don't fully understand uh, but he is so uh, he's been long suffering for so long he's been seeking a person whose heart would be able to receive this promise and this heart becomes uh, this lightning and, and all these things start happening. Now as I looked at the living creatures, behold, a wheel was on the earth beside each living creature with its four faces. And so the four elementary teachings are presented here. The appearance of the wheels and their workings was like the color of beryl, and all four had the same likeness. The appearance of their working was as if were a wheel in the middle of a wheel. Every time we study a place of scripture, <clears throat> it's also present in another place of scripture. A wheel within a wheel. A wheel is a symbol of eternity, and God is showing his power in this wheel. When they moved, they went toward any one of the four directions. Uh, <clears throat> physically, this is not uh, possible to understand. Can I go in four directions at the same time? Uh, physically, I can't. In spirit, I can in spirit, I can go to the north, south, west, east uh, in all four directions because each one of these sides means something and has some kind of meaning. We know every side has its own meaning. One has the judgment of God, another resurrection, third, and so forth. When they moved, they went toward any one of four directions. They did not turn aside when they went. In other words, not turning aside can't be worthy of the favor of God. And so it may be a sign to you, they say, when you go to fulfill the will of God, don't turn back, don't look back, oh, what will happen? 
Just go, and what will be, will be. As for the rims, they were so high and were awesome, and their rims were full of eyes all around the four of them. And so this was the, the knowledge of God shown here. When the living creatures went, the wheels went beside them, and when the living creatures were lifted up from the earth, the wheels were lifted up. So where the Spirit wanted to go, that's where they would go. Wherever the Spirit wanted to go, they went because there the Spirit went and the wheels were lifted together with them for the spirit of the living creatures was in the wheels and so here we see the spirit of man a spirit of man is presented here in a wheel and the spirit the living their spirit was in these wheels when those went those went when those stood these stood and when they those were lifted up from the earth the wheels were lifted up together with them for the spirit of the living creatures was in the wheels the likeness of the firmament above the heads of the living creatures was like the color of an awesome crystal we are the carrier of God's interests and it's talking about the fact that these living creatures were the the carriers of God's throne stretched out over their heads and under the firmament their wings spread out straight one toward another each one had two which covered one side and each one had two which covered the other side of the body when they went I heard the noise of their wings like the noise of many waters like the voice of the Almighty it tumult like the noise of an army and when they stood still they let down their wings a voice came from above the firmament that was over their heads whenever they stood they let down their wings and above the firmament over their heads was the likeness of a throne, in appearance like a sapphire stone. On the likeness of the throne was a likeness with the appearance of a man high above it. Also from the appearance of his waist and upward I saw, as it were, the color of amber, with the appearance of fire all around within it. And from the appearance of his waist and downward I saw, as it were, the appearance of fire with brightness all around, like the appearance of a rainbow in a cloud on a rainy day, so it was the appearance of the brightness all around it. This was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. This is a collective uh, image here we see as a person, it's the entire remnant of God together carrier being God, carriers of God's revelations of the last times. They are this covenant and in her they sh shown all of this, this great glory. But I don't have the time to uh, break it down further and explain each of these things to explain uh, the sim all of these symbols, but right now we're focused upon our bodies and not to go away from this goal. Everything that we see here is for the purpose uh, of Christ reigning within our body forever and ever. When we receive by hearing the word of God this promise that before we will be raptured in heaven and before our bodies will be changed in the blink of an eye will be and will become new or completely new. Before this, we need to be dressed into our new person and immortality needs to be eliminated or more, mortality needs to be eliminated and immortality will... And so we need to be, uh, defeat hell and death so we can say in fullness everything's redeemed and wholeness. Uh, the spirit and soul and body would be redeemed. And so the law of Moses becomes then our friend instead of our judge because it is for criminals, but you're not a criminal. You're a child of God and justified by God. 
Considering that our time is up, right now we will bend our knees, however, who is comfortable, and we will pray and thank God and ask Him to more deeply explain those uh, things that He's been revealing to us so that it be written uh, inscribed upon our hearts so it be very clearly written and read uh, so that we not listen to the diagnosis of the doctor or other people's words if God has allowed me to conceive he'll give me the ability to bear Heavenly Father in the name of Jesus Christ I again and again worship before you together with your people upon this blessed and holy place where you desire to have worship done to you. I thank you that unnoticeable to this world, maybe, and the religious world, you're doing something miraculous in these last days. You are revealing the treasure of your inheritance in these last times. You are playing the trumpet already. You're sounding the trumpet of your last angel and the rule of Jesus within our heart. May this rule be within our heart and may be blessed now and forever reign within our in our body and may your greatness and glory be in our body you are you have been waiting and long suffering for a long time before the creation of the world this was your goal and your purpose to redeem the spirit soul and body in fullness and wholeness to have a complete victory over sin and death to eliminate it by the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Before creating the earth, you already committed your son to death for those who fear you. May they be blessed before your face who fear you, looking at you and look, uh, studying the depths of your fear. This is the consistency of your wisdom and your mystery. We thank you, Father, that we can accomplish our prayers according to your will, that we can wait with patience the fulfillment of all your promises. And if you've revealed it to us and have allowed us to conceive, uh, you will also allow us the ability to bear also. You will give us the fruit of the tree of life in this promise. May the greatness of your glory be blessed and be over your people and again and again may these angry Gentiles be cursed within our body may there no longer be any deceit in our mouth may all foul language be eliminated from your nation that is destroying your people today may your children understand this fully so that they stop speaking bad things that they separate from this world and because the time has come to judge those who destroy the earth may you the old person be eliminated with his army and may you reign in his place and may you be glorified in our bodies our great God, Son and Holy Spirit Amen Our Father in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
могущему же соблюсти нас от падения и поставить пред славою Своею непорочными в радости единому премудрому Богу, Спасителю нашему, через Иисуса Христа, Господа нашего, слава и величие, сила и власть прежде всех веков, ныне и во все веки. Аминь. Наше служение будет продолжаться с 10 до 12. Следующее служение в воскресенье в 12 часов дня с 10 до 12 также молитва. А теперь с миром Божьим да благословит вас Господь в пути вашем и жилищах ваших. Можете